Welcome to Refresher, the Pop Culture Therapy Podcast. I am your host, Chris Levine, and I welcome you wholeheartedly to this show and to this episode. Hey, I've got a question for you. Can one be too deep? Is there a point where one should just stop allowing the questions to continue? Does everything have to have a tangible explanation? There honestly is a very wonderful aspect to overthinking things. Your world becomes as large as the sky and as vast as the ocean. For example, one can say, decide that they like a song and simply be fine with the fact that they like the song. They like what they hear. That works. Others, though, who overthink things, they can't just stop there. See, we have to dig as though our lives depended on it. Let, let's, let's look at an example. Let's start with a song that should be easy in this regard. Let's, let's go with I Want to Hold Your Hand by the Beatles. This is a song about a boy wanting to hold a girl's hand. That's basically it. Got it. Just stopping there along with the infectious melody would be enough for many to like the song, which they did and which they do. But what if you are a deep thinker and you can't stop there and you take it to other places? Think about it. When you come to the realization that you both love and are in love with someone, holding their hand means something. If the feeling is mutual... It's as though the electrical chemistry that both of you are feeling is traveling through your affectionate fingers and is completely permeating both of you. Holding the hand of someone you adore is almost a lost art these days. People move way past that so very quickly that many don't savor something so simple yet so powerful. Have you ever held someone's hand and you absolutely couldn't believe that you were? Maybe this led to nervousness, which may have meant that your hand started to perspire. And this could have led to your not totally enjoying the process, but being self-conscious the entire time as you wondered how you and your hand was being perceived by the other person. Now, to be balanced, hands can be held and that can be as bland as when a child is asked to hold hands with someone they don't particularly care for so they can cross the street safely. But the same hand holding the right person's hand can simply move a thumb gently over the other person's finger and subsequently make them feel like the most special person in the world. This kind of experience brings an entirely new message to when I touch you, I feel happy inside. It's such a feeling that my love, I can't hide. So you see the difference? We can listen to a song like that on face value and it's great. 
but what happens when you dig a little bit? Do you love delving deep beyond the obvious and asking why? Uh, there's a nice article on the site ideapod.com that is called 14 Undeniable Signs That You Are an Overthinker. Here's a couple. To start, you probably analyze experiences. It's common for a deep thinker to engage in a lot of analysis of past, present, and future experiences. They take the facts and experiences from the past and somehow link them with new facts and experiences right now. Another one, and I found this one interesting. Often, deep thinkers are forgetful. It says here that a deep thinker is usually thinking so much that a mundane day-to-day -day task might get pushed out of their head. They often ruminate over more pressing issues and problem solve. A third one, and the last one that I'll quote from the article with is this. A deep thinker doesn't care for small talk. Often, they don't see silence as an awkward thing. Often, they'd rather be lost in their thoughts anyway. Now, while this means a deep thinker can come across as kind of a snob, the reality is far different. Though, let's face it, a deep thinker can totally be a snob too. Which, by the way, I thought of an absolutely foolproof way to stop a hacker from ever entering the private computer of a rock snob. This is for all the music snobs out there. You may want to take notes because speaking as a reformed rock snob, I can tell you that this is going to work. First, this disclaimer. If you're not sure whether you're not whether or not you're a rock snob, this may not work. If you're on the fence, this may not be an infallible plan. How do you know? Well, think of it this way. If, 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 if the rock snob is gutsy enough to tell you that they secretly like, say, air supply, abort this plan. It's not going to work. But if you know that you are a true dyed-in-the-wool rock snob, this will keep you safe. Maybe one last test to discern where you stand. Here's one. If you're afraid to tell someone that you like a popular band just because they're a popular band, you're probably a rock snob. Here's another one. If you really love Van Dyke Park's solo works, but you've never actually listened to them, even if you own them, this idea will be perfect for you. So if this is you, here is your surefire anti-hacking password idea. Use passwords, including the names of bands that a rock snob would never use. For example, would anyone ever expect you to have the password Electric Light Orchestra forever? Of course not. They would be too busy typing in different variations on the Velvet Underground. Here's a few more ideas. How about exclamation point Howard Jones 1? They're never going to type that in your computer. How about The Outfield 1989? <laughs> How about Star Glass Tiger? Or here's another good one. How about hashtag Jefferson Starship built this city? All one word. See, you do this as a rock snob, and I guarantee that people will wrestle 
with your passwords for days, entering Bob Dylan lyrics, Sonic Youth album titles, maybe spelled backwards, whatever, but they will not touch these ideas. The end result, you will have the safest computer ever. And hey, here's one more for the road. Let's go with Fog Hat 1000. Back to deep thinking. Sometimes the overthinker might put more depth into a song than the songwriter did. So we, we looked at a healthy example with I Want to Hold Your Hand. But, but I remember reading about the song Badge by George Harrison and Eric Clapton, which was performed by Cream. Now, according to legend, George Harrison wrote the word bridge for the bridge section of the song. Eric Clapton misread it and asked him why he wrote the word badge. They apparently thought this was funny and subsequently named the song Badge. Why I find this interesting is that for years, fans of the song tried to demystify the title. It had to mean something to epic proportions. Actually, it was just an inside joke. So, so just imagine what these same kinds of individuals might have done with something like Stairway to Heaven. WorldScientific.com commented on this topic of depth as well. It notes that there's more than one way to think. Most people are familiar with the systematic rule-based thinking that one finds in a, a mathematical proof or a computer program. But such thinking does not produce breakthroughs, nor is it the kind of thinking that results in significant learning. Deep thinking is a different and more basic way of using the mind, which is the essence of creativity. It's at the heart of every paradigm shift or reframing of a problematic situation. Deep thinkers ask why, and that's an awesome thing. Again, we can drive ourselves crazy by just constantly asking why, almost like a, a little kid that just learned to talk asks their parents why every five seconds. But it is good to ask the question, why? Think of it this way, and I don't mean to be offensive. I'm just telling it like it is. At some point within the month of April, many very, very sincere people who truly consider themselves to be devout Christians will be celebrating a holiday called Easter. Now, most of these have celebrated this holiday since their birth and have done so for decades. Now, Easter, as I understand it, is the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, that in itself sounds extremely noble. But where I initially got confused in this process is when the bunnies and the painting of the eggs enter into the equation. What does one have to do with the other? Well, it's actually very interesting to read about why and ask yourself why. Figuring out how the traditions of, for example, rabbits and eggs got involved in this celebration. It not only has absolutely nothing to do with Jesus Christ, but these were completely merged into the idea with pagan spring festival traditions, primarily directly in tandem with fertility goddess worship, namely, ironically enough, called Oster or Ostara, and Oster is E-O-S-T-R-E, which was the Anglo-Saxon goddess of the dawn and spring. Spring, get it? Fertility. 
eggs, rabbits. The Catholic Encyclopedia actually states the following. I'm just going to read it to you word for word. Quote, a great many pagan customs celebrating the return of spring gravitated to Easter. The egg is the emblem of the germinating life of early spring. The rabbit is a pagan symbol and has always been an emblem of fertility. Now, I mentioned this at the outset. I'm going to say it again. My point here is not to attack anyone. But my question is this. How many people who celebrate this holiday have ever given any real thought as to why rabbits and eggs are involved with the resurrection of Jesus Christ? How many people have asked why they're doing it at all? I can tell you personally, having read the Bible from cover to cover, I've never found any mention of the early Christians ever celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. They commemorated and were told to remember his death quite clearly, but not his resurrection. That process came later and was directly tied in to these fertility traditions. Deep thinkers ask why. Even if they don't change their beliefs or their actions, they have to know. These things often get passed or just don't matter at all to some people, as it may not have ever dawned on them, or they just don't care. Let's get back to music again. Musically, we can overhear the elements of a song, and, and, and it might change a listening experience for us, if, if we delve a little deeper. See, when, when we listen to a song hard, it can either make that song more interesting or more tedious. I once heard uh, Brian Eno in an interview say that he often misheard lyrics when he listened to songs. Then when he learned the real ones, he actually liked the ones he came up in his head better, thinking they were better than the real ones. And that changed his relationship with the song moving forward. And I can totally see that happening. Another example, remember the band The Sugar Cubes? Their most recognizable song was probably the song called Hit. Well, there's one part of the song right after the words totally still, still are sung, where you will hear what sounds like the bell of a ride cymbal being hit twice. And it happens throughout the song. When I first heard that, I thought that's kind of a nice touch. But when I pointed this out to a friend years ago, their response was, now I cannot hear that song without hearing that sound, and it drives me crazy. As many times as they heard the song before I talked to them, they really didn't hear the song completely, all the aspects of the song, until one of them was pointed out to them. And then they didn't like the song anymore. The point of all this well, let's close this way. Personally, I say don't drive yourself crazy, but go deep, learn, grow, refine. Maybe there's no tangible explanation for absolutely everything. And maybe asking too many questions will drive us slightly insane. Who knows? But by digging into things, it makes us smarter as well as more well-rounded. If we know why we do things, we also may be more confident when we do them. Or it may stop us from doing something we find we really can't get behind. 
or we really truly don't believe in. Even with music, music and words and feeling and expression, manifesting deeper thinking takes your listening experience to a totally different level. And it gives you an entirely new relationship with a song. And it feels good, not unlike holding hands. We have once again arrived at the time on Refresher when we present you with a Spotify playlist that is going to take a hard left turn this time. I thought it would be fun to just do just a total fun one this time. I said that I was a reformed rock snob, and this list is going to prove it. The first step to recovery is to admit that you have a problem. And I can honestly say that for give or take the past 12 years or so, I have been rock snob sober. I'm going to give you a few seconds to applaud. Thank you. No, really, I appreciate it. All of these songs, the punk rock cool police would arrest me for putting on here. But I don't care because I like these songs unapologetically. They're not guilty pleasures. They're just a pleasure to listen to. We have for you this time around a refresher podcast, Reformed Rock Snob Exhibit A playlist. You can find it really easily on Spotify. Just type in refresher podcast dash Reformed Rock Snob Exhibit A. Track number one. We're starting strong. Take It on the Run by REO Speedwagon. All some can conjure up when listening to this song is feathered hair, mirrored sunglasses, a bandana tied to your head, and a Trans Am, maybe a pack of cigarettes. But I think it's a great song, and I think it rocks. Number two, Against All Odds, Take a Look at Me Now by Phil Collins. This is a perfect ballad. Really, name one better. Number three, I Can't Go For That by Hall & Oates, which is a great soul-pop hybrid of a song. Number four is Lady by Styx. I know what you're thinking. These are all good songs. What's the problem? I know they are, but a rock snob who's a real rock snob will never admit that. See, all of these songs are banned from the cool table. I know it's stupid, but again, I'm reformed. Do you need more proof? Uh, buckle up. Number five, Firework by Katy Perry. Yeah, I said it. I think it's easily one of the best pop songs ever made, and especially of the 2010s, in, in my opinion. Number six, Time After Time by Cyndi Lauper. It's perfect, and it's one of the best pop songs of the 1980s, in my opinion. Number seven is I Want You by Savage Garden. This is one of the catchiest and best produced pop songs of the 1990s, in my opinion. Number eight, Slaughter with Fly to the Angels. Now, some will hear this, and they'll only concentrate on the Aquanet and the stereotype that involved the time period. I personally hear a killer rock ballad going on here. Number nine, Peter Frampton 
No, I'm not kidding. With do you feel like we do? The record this was on, Frampton Comes Alive, was not allowed to be liked ever by the too cool for school music tastemakers. But how can you not like this? I mean, really. In number 10, the Bee Gees with How Deep Is Your Love. People, especially rockers, decided that disco was uncool. It's too bad because they missed out on beautiful songs like this one. So there it is. Look, some people, they listen to music, and if they like something, they like something. A rock snob has to, number one, learn about it, or number two, see who else likes it to see whether or not they're allowed to like it. It's been totally and utterly liberating not to have the agenda anymore and just use my ears and heart to decide whether or not I like a song. I feel like people that have always done this naturally without having to learn the hard way are the really cool people. In fact, they are cooler than the other side of the pillow. That's our new playlist. Again, you can find this playlist really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher Podcast dash Reformed Rock Snob Exhibit A. We would like to welcome some new listeners to our program. In addition to all the different places and in all the different countries, locations, our demographics report shows that we now have listeners in Central Falls, Rhode Island. Thanks so much out there in Central Falls, Rhode Island, and welcome to Refresher. We're happy to have you. Listen, guys, I say it all the time. I mean it all the time. This show would not exist without you. If you could all do me a favor, please continue to pass this podcast along to your friends. Also, if you would like to help keep this podcast stay up and running, if you would like, you can make a small monthly contribution. Just see the support this podcast link under the episode description. If that's something you want to do, if you're so inclined, that would be fantastic. But whether you do or whether you don't, just feel free to listen and enjoy this show anytime that you want to. No big deal. As always, the music that begins and ends this podcast is by the band Dive. The song is called A Day Late, and it was written by Mr. John Villafuerte. But until next time, this is Chris Levine for Refresher, the pop culture therapy podcast. Everyone, please take care and do yourself a favor and remember that there's a big difference between worry and concern. We'll see you next time.